Hello, this is Len Tengis welcoming you to the iPodcast AGCMO Weekly Podcast. In each episode, we'll feature information about a contractor, specialty contractor, supplier, contracting agency, owner, or legislative or regulatory issue pertinent to the construction industry in Missouri. We'll feature industry professionals and other construction industry representatives to help our listeners stay up to date with current and future trends in construction. So here we go. Welcome back to iPodcast AGCMO. Today's guest is Vanessa Frazier, and Vanessa is one of the most interesting people I've met in a long time. She is the executive director for the Howardville Community Betterment Group in Howardville, Missouri. Vanessa, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. First of all, tell me about yourself. Tell me what Vanessa Frazier does in a day's time. How did you get to be the executive director for the Howardville Community Betterment Association? Maybe, basically, you would understand if I said that I was volunteered. (laughs) I've been there a lot. uh, The entire community, our seniors and elders, there was a beautification project that was asked for the citizens to do in order to help the city generate revenue with different projects, beautify. And so we were asked to join 4-H and Girl Scouts. We were already doing those things. And so we had to spread a little time out in the community. And then the community advisors would pull us in and say, do this and do that. And if we were walking down the street, it didn't take nothing for them to pull you off to the side and make you do some more work. So... Once I graduated high school and left, I had a strong aching for not missing home, per se, but Mm -hmm. missing being involved. Right. And so I come home from working in a law firm six years, and I just saw the devastation of the community. It wasn't like people was volunteering, putting things back in the community to make it better. They're not helping and working with the city. You can see those things. So we got our 501c3 established through the um, Turn Revenue Service and got our credentials with the state. And we started to write grants to help the city. So you get grants to do infrastructure improvements and all sorts of different things here in Howardville. We worked with the city to get the streets upgraded and the sanitation sewer system. We got uh, lift stations added, got a grant for that. And we received a $200,000 grant to uh, remove that asbestos and lead-based paint in our school. We also got it listed to the historic register. Now, that is a fascinating story, and we talked about this earlier about the school. So you've got to <laughs> share with us the story of the school. Well, Mr. Howard is the founder of this community, and he's also was a graduate of Tuskegee Institute. He spent some time at K-State University, and he got his master's at Lincoln University in Jefferson City. He came to New Madrid County as a principal at O'Bannon, a black school in New Madrid. And so when the Supreme Court ruled to the in 1954, then he sold land here in Howardville to the school board and they built the school in 57. It was erected in 58 and in the fall in time for the start of classes. And it graduated its first class in 1959. And that was a high school. It was a high school and it was all black students from 1959 through 1968. And so we knew the school was historic, but you have 
through your paperwork and, and convince others of, of the importance of significant value that it has to the people who went to that school and contributed. To now, it was an all-black high school even after the 1964. 54. Well, it started in 54, but 64 was the Civil Rights Act, and it still operated as an all-black school. All school until 1968. That, 1968. That's a fascinating story. Well, in 60. 64 was the Civil Rights Act, and that's what spurred Mr. Howard as the first principal of the school to ask them, you know, civil rights. This is civil rights. Our school was built for, uh, it was called Liberal and East High, and from 1959, well, 1958, the first year, through 1964, and he started talking with the school board, well, you know, if you're not going to integrate, let the school take on the name of the community. And mm -hmm. so they were adamant about not integrating and they let the school be renamed Harville High School. So as a composite, as you can see, it started Liberty High until it got to 1965, 66, it became Howardville High School. And we were happy with that. We love the name of our community. So it was Howardville High School all the way through 1968. And then they was forced to integrate in 1970. And the building is still standing. It's vacant now, but you're looking at some way to restore that and maintain that history, that legacy of that school. Oh, we want to put a museum in there. We captured everything that happened from day one of when they broke ground until the doors closed. And so the, during that time, they the high school was just there from the 9th to the 12th. But in 1962, they built the elementary school, and it opened in 66. So the elementary school is there and the high school is there and there's a shop that's connected to the music room in the back. And per the one and only 1959 class book, yearbook, it was the best ever constructed in this county. So they wanted to last for a long time and we're glad it did. Now, how, Howardville <laughs> is in the Boot Heel area of Missouri. It's a very interesting economic situation you have here right now. Talk about some of the economic challenges that you're facing here in the Boot Heel area. Well, jobs has always been number one, and health is one of the biggest factors of why there the numbers of different disparities in, in health outcomes are not so well with the African-American community, and it has historically been that way. And jobs, as we were talking about earlier, is something that can help alleviate those pains right away. You can meet your bills. You can buy the necessary food and clothing. Uh, transportation is, has always been an issue because communities are, you know, we're sparsely populated. And then it's a great distance to travel to get to the store. So some things that you can only alleviate if you have insurance and a good job. And if you don't have those things and don't have insurance, if you can have a decent job, you can meet all of the expectations for your family. But the communities are in desperate need of good jobs. And you've seen in your time, you're a native, mm -hmm. you've been here a long time, you've seen a lot of jobs leave the community. Oh, manufacturing jobs have left. Even before I was born, they were closing. There was several shoe factories here. Every last one of those are gone. And just in this region, I believe out of 28 counties, it was over 117. And they're brownfields. And that's what I do as executive director of Howardville Community Betterment. If the building is, has a solid foundation, you can just remove the asbestos and reuse it. 
they have a need that that building in their community can feel as opposed to restarting something brand new from the brown ground up. I know you mentioned that you have some training programs that you do here as part of the betterment effort. How do you recruit students? What sort of area do you serve and what sort of training programs do you do? Well, we serve the five counties of the Missouri Boot Hill. Actually, the Boot Hill is only three counties, New Madrid, Prima Scott, and Duncan. But anybody that's near this area, they refer to Scott County, Mississippi. They include that in the Boot Hill, Mm -hmm. but it's all southeast Missouri. We started to see the need in all of these counties and the people were suffering from the same thing. And we thought that if we could get a job training class that could give them the tools that they needed to get a decent job on their resumes, they could see the skill sets that they could offer. Well, let's give you a chance. Now, what sort of things are in the job training class? It's environmental green job training is what it is. It's working with Basically, the thing that the, everybody in the nation sees is related to COVID. Mm-hmm. So the basic PPE protections that you would have to have, you know, anything from goggles to Tyvek suits, the full uniform and breathing apparatus, you get those come in various sizes, but you have to know how to use those things and when to use them and how long to use them. And you also have to be working with hazardous chemicals or particles such as asbestos and lead-based paint, you have to have the, the right protections and know the correct procedures in order to remove those different toxins from the building and make sure that it doesn't escape to the environment. How many students do you have? What's the process for going through all this? You just want to be able to have a good job. All you have to do is just show up with an ID, and a birth certificate, or your uh, Social Security card, and sign up. There's no special qualifications to have that, but normally they do like to see you have at least a high school diploma or a GED. If not, you need soft skills training. We make referrals for that. But it's as simple as just showing up and trying to complete the course. And where do your graduates go to work when they're finished? Any available openings. Like with our school, we had to do a job training class because there's not one here between St. Louis and Memphis. We're in the middle right mm-hmm. off Interstate 55. And so our technical assistance teams, we were talking to us about it, and they would like to see all communities that have brownfields, the people that have been exposed to these type of things, they like to see them get the jobs. So what we wanted to do was start a job training center. That if they're not one here, you can't afford to send them to St. Louis or Memphis. Right. And so we had to do the groundwork to get that job training center here. And then it was success because once they got through with the training, they became employed immediately to work to remediate the asbestos and lead-based paint from the school. And they were bringing home $1,200 a week. And the highest employer in this area at the time was Naranda, and they wasn't bringing that home. And so this was some information that went all over the Blue Hill, and everybody wants those types of jobs. And that's where... The money is going into green jobs, just doing turnaround, clean it up, and then maybe they can help do some construction work. Mm-hmm. So those trainers, they're in critical need all over the country, I think. Well, tell me more about your school project. You have a grant to try to fix the school up, but you're having some struggle trying to bring that to completion. The high school is, is completed. We have the elementary that still need about eight classrooms of asbestos and lead-based paint. And we have the funding to get that done. It's been on the books for two years. We're just trying to locate a contractor. One of our biggest issues is that we 
the contractor that we need has to have knowledge and a certification for working on historical buildings. And that was the, the, the highlight of our project with the asbestos and lead-based paint remediation. We nominated the school to the historical register and we didn't want to be let down, so we were advised you would have to apply at least two or three times before you were listed. And we were listed when we made our first nomination. So the school is on the historic register. It's, it's waiting to be fixed register. up. And once you get it reopened, then you will move your job training and other it, sort of training opportunities into that building. It will be housed into what was the shop. It has a classroom and a practical side. So the name of the job training class, the building, is already it's already there. And when all of the COVID and other EPA energies and different types of organizations was going through some changes these last couple of years, things slowed down quite a bit. Mm -hmm. And so being creative and having the need to get something done. We have about maybe 15 arms going at the same time because the ideas that we have for the school are tremendous. That's great. And so what we did was we, well, we are listed to the National Historic Register. We want to get our side. And so we, as a Robert Johnson cohort one, I'm an alumni now, just finished my three year term in 2019. They gave us funding for a project. It could be new or existing. And so any dollar I get in my hand is going toward this school. <laughs> so I said, hey, we're going to get our sign. And so it was $6,050, but it's two posts and it's beautiful. It fronts Highway 61 and it sits on the property of the school. So it's a great motivator. And everybody that rides through sees it, they're encouraged and they know that something is going on. And soon enough, when we can get a contractor who is licensed, and certified to work in a historic building, then hopefully we'll be on our way. Well, Vanessa, I have to say that not only are you looking back <laughs> at the great history of this community, but you're also looking forward to try to train people and get them ready to build, rebuild the future of where Howardville can go. We want them to get the practice and training with the school. Working with other contractors, they don't have to bring the whole team in, but they will have people here trained and qualified that can do the work. And that's putting money back into the region. And not only that, we want these other communities and counties to have training so that their residents can work in their community, in their county. And all of these five counties, we need qualified people to do the work. The world is changing. And we need to change with it and be prepared to step in the doors and get those jobs that are highly classified and technical. We need those skills. In Memphis and St. Louis, it's too far to travel. We have to stay places. We have to eat. Those classes are three to six weeks long, depending on if you're renewing or starting out on initial courses. And you just don't have the funding and resources to stay away from home. We need to be trained here at home. And that class... It was just a new thing that they said, Vanessa, you need to start that class. And so we did, and we intend to keep it. And if I want to learn more about it, I can get a hold of Vanessa Frazier. How? What's the best way to get a hold of you? My cell phone, 573-233-0926. And though we live in the boot hill of Missouri, sometimes satellite receptions is not so well. So 
You try to call and you can't get me text. It takes less frequency to send a text than it does a phone call, and I will get that text. Well, Vanessa, I can't thank you enough for, number one, taking time today, and number two, for the work that you're doing to make Howardville community better. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're working to work the boot here better. Howardville goal, community betterment was the goal is to help the city. But some of the other communities in the other Boot Hill counties asked us to help. So we had to change our mission and to help other underserved communities in the Missouri Boot Hill. So we're working to help everybody. Bigger the better. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thanks again for listening. It's easy to subscribe to iPodcast AGCMO on almost any podcast platform that you use. We hope you do subscribe and continue to listen as we move forward with this important project for the construction industry. To access our prior podcasts, visit www.agcmo.org, not only for podcasts, but for additional information about AGC of Missouri.